Welcome to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham. This bi-weekly podcast is created to be a safe space to admit what we truly believe in our hearts. And many of us, when we take the time to truly examine ourselves, will find some sort of shame, fear, or lies hiding in there. And it is never God's will for us to stay in bondage to those. It's His truth that sets us free from them. But there's a huge difference between having biblical knowledge floating around in our heads and actually believing that it's true. Until God's truth makes its way into our hearts, nothing changes. We'll be doing a mix of solo episodes and interviews with friends who have experienced the freedom that comes when head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. The truth will set you free so you can walk every day in the freedom God desires for you. It's time to let go of shame, fear, and lies. Those aren't yours to carry. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham. I'm bringing on a guest who was kind of in an episode with me before. She was interviewing me, one of the people interviewing me on the episode called, Does God Want Me to Be Happy or Holy? And so Christina Garza is with us today. Applause, applause for Christina. So I, I do have an urge to call you Tina from time to time, but that's yeah. only because I love Tina Faye so much. That's the only reason why. So why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. Make sure to include a fun fact in there. Yes. Okay, I will. Um, yes, I'm Christina. I'm from Texas, from Houston, Texas, but I have been living in Minnesota for the past five years because I moved up here for college. That's how I met Jenny. Um, And right now, I just graduated in May, so that's nice in post-grad life. Woo! Um, Yeah. I'm studying to be a birth doula right now, so I've been dabbling in that for almost a couple years. May will be like a couple years since I've been exploring that and learning about that. Um, and I'm working um, at my college that I graduated from in the prayer ministry student care department. So kind of, yeah, caring for students for their own mental health, their spiritual walks, um, just mentoring them, pouring into them, but also learning just practical things about trauma and lay counseling and how to be equipped to further yeah, help people anywhere I go. So that's been really amazing. Um, and yeah, I work at a coffee shop also. Oh, yeah. Fun fact. Uh, fun fact. I always wanted to be able to do like a backflip, you know, like mm-hmm. where you, the ones where you like tuck your legs in and then like you just. Flip backwards. Yep. Yeah. Not like a back handspring with your hands. Mm-hmm. But I, I was too afraid to ever try. I mean, I wasn't in a position where I could like practice that, but. I went on a river trip once with my friends and I saw them doing it off a cliff and I was like, mm, that can't be that hard. You just like, you know, lean back, tuck your legs, grab them and straighten <laughs> out. So then I went up the cliff and I just did it with them and then I did a backflip off a cliff and oh my the river. Gosh. It was so awesome. You maniac. Yeah. It was probably the first and last time I'll ever do that, but it was awesome. It was so fun. <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's You're awesome. welcome. <laughs> Okay, why don't you take us into your story and tell us what you have been set free from? So I have been set free from um, disordered eating and just a really negative uh, body image and view of, well, just a negative relationship with food in general and just with myself and my own body. 
Um, so yeah, growing up, comfort food was like a real comforting thing in my home. And it was mostly like a positive thing in my eyes. Like my mom, I would bake with my mom and my siblings and it was really fun. And we were all really naturally good at that. Um, you know, and when you're having a hard day or a sad day, like you bake cookies and watch a movie or you go out for ice cream and grab a treat together. Like those things are normal and can be helpful. But as a young girl, I didn't think that like something so normal and helpful could also be used as a way to numb and suppress and just de detach from emotions. And so, um, yeah, I, when I was in junior high, that was the first time I started to become aware, I guess, of my body and how it looked in comparison to other people. I joined a cheer team in junior high, so that was super fun. I was really nervous about it, and I really, really wanted to do it. My mom was, like, so encouraging to me to do that, and it was so fun. Um, but in that time that I joined the cheer team for that one year, I was 12 or 13 at the time, and I remember just going to being at practice one day and doing stretches um, and looking. I was sitting next to one of my good friends, and she, I saw these little, like, small like shiny like pink little lines on my my legs and I had never seen these before and I looked over to see if like my friend had them too or like if her legs looked the same um and she didn't have any and I was like what happened to me what happened to my legs did I like hurt myself why did why does my calf look like this why are they here on my thigh and I just I had never seen them I didn't know what they were obviously there were stretch marks from like just growing and just the bot the changes my body were going through and that was like the first time I, I think I started to feel a little bit of shame about my body looking different than someone else's and I just felt like oh yeah I was like Do I, does everyone have this like on their legs or is this just me and at that point like I was like I'm not gonna like show someone my legs now I don't even know what this is I'm just gonna hide this and hope hope it's normal or something or hope I'm okay. <laughs> um, some people say that as women, um, our view of our body and like self-worth are highly shaped by our moms and mostly our parents too. But um, for women, it's more likely that it's their moms who kind of shape that. And what's interesting though, is my mom always talked positively about my body. She went through a lot of changes throughout her life, you know, having kids and, um, you know, just our, our bodies change a lot as women anyways. And so, you know, she had bad days when she wouldn't always talk positive about herself. But I mean, we all, I think we all have days like that, but she would always tell me like, Christina, your body is perfect. Your body is so beautiful. You are perfect just the way that you are. And, and that was encouraging. That was helpful, but I still struggled a lot with a negative body image and unhealthy eating habits too. And in my mind, I thought it was just like every other girl. And I really had no idea if other people, other girls felt like this or struggled with this. But I just really hoped that I wasn't the only person that was. And what did shape me, though, from my mom, I think, is the um, inability to process my emotions in a healthy and helpful way. And so I did a lot of other things on purpose to try and numb and detach from my emotions. But this thing, this felt more like, this struggle felt more like, subtle and like kind of subconscious I didn't it wasn't something I like I, I thought I chose it was just something that I over time was like oh my gosh I think this is like kind of not good for me yeah. and, I think I'm realizing this is not yeah, good like, there's a problem 
mom here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't realize I, you know, that there was anything wrong with the way I viewed food or anything like that until I went to college. And when I went to college, I think I just started to recognize that, like, I, well, for one, I want to explain a little bit of, like, what binge eating, so disordered eating, there's lots of different kinds of ways that can look in people's life. So the most, like, common three things um, are, so one is, like, binge eating, which was the problem I mostly had, um, is when people regularly eat more food than usual, and they often eat it fast or, like, eat when they're stressed or upset instead of just, like, when they're hungry. Like, that doesn't, that's not a reason. They just, like, you just eat because you just eat, and then, like, you feel like you can't stop, and you're, like, it's just, like, I'm, I'm, it's uncontrollable. It's uncomfortable. It's almost, like, yeah, so this can happen also after, like, restricting. So, like, sometimes people will be, like, I'm going to punish myself, and I'm not going to eat um, because, you know, I'm trying to, like, lose weight or I'm trying to look good for this day, and then after five days, you know, they're, like, oh, I'm so hungry. I just have to have all these food that I couldn't have now that this event's over, now that I feel like I deserve it now, um, and then that can lead to just binging because you've been restricted for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, um, bulimia is another one. It's not just about throwing up, though. Bulimia is also, like, people trying to make up um, for overeating by throwing up or using any kind of laxative or doing any kind of excess of over uh, of exercise um, to try to lose that weight. So it's kind of, like, balance out. Like, oh, I did this, so, like, now I have to, like, basically reverse it with these actions or with these things. Um, and then anorexia, people think that's people starving and just have skin and bones, but it, it really does root from a, a, an intense, debilitating fear of gaining weight. And a lot of times they have really unrealistic views of their body and try to eat as little as possible. And they may even exercise as well, like too much and um, do other things like people who maybe struggle with bulimia. But so anyways, that's just like a little context, I guess. So a little overview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is so helpful to learn about because I do think that most people just think about either you throw up or you starve yourself. And it's much right. more complicated than that. And it's much more, um, yeah, shameful and difficult um, than that. So for me, I noticed that I, one of some of the signs, but also some of the things I started to notice in my life in college was like, I felt really shameful if like I ate a lot of a certain type of food. So like I would like, yeah, I just... I just started to want to hide that. Like I would, I would, I would like make sure I didn't throw it in this trash can because I didn't want this person to see that I had eaten that or maybe that I had ate, you know, four of those chocolates or whatever, or, um, yeah, one cookie I would look over and then I'm like, Oh my gosh, I ate the whole box. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and just like things I just, yeah, I, I, I guess my eyes were becoming open to just moments of stress or even, yeah, the shame I'd feel after when I would, um, just do certain things like that so and I also I did feel like an uncontrollable thing where I'm like I don't know why I'm yeah how do I stop this why do I feel like this food has this kind of power over me or why do I feel so ashamed of the way that I'm eating when all I'm doing is eating but really I'm not and so I don't know there was a lot too there that like um like I mentioned earlier your mindset kind of becomes more focused on like, do I deserve to eat? Do I deserve to have this treat? Do I deserve to enjoy this time with friends and people and this food? Um, and if not, like, if not, then there's like that guilt of shame and then guilt and shame. And then also um, 
yeah, just like the self condemning of like, you weren't good. So you don't deserve this treat. But food's not a treat. It's a necessity of life. Obviously, It's fuel. Um, But yeah, that mindset's really hard to break out of. And um, yeah, it left me feeling really isolated and also really confused. And and insecure. I mean, like I, I mean, especially like holidays, you know, like you want to wear a cute outfit, you want to be with your friends and family. And unfortunately, a lot of that stuff is all centered around food and the types of food. And it's not all healthy food either. Like a lot of it is, is not, it's the opposite. And it's a time of indulgence, um, which I think is another, yeah, root issue that was going on. Mm -hmm. Does it even mean to like indulge in things that are not for me? I, yeah, I, I learned a lot about that too, which we could get into, but. Um... And then people will think, well, it's okay to indulge now because the new year's coming and then I'll join a gym and then I'll do this oh and I'll be better. Oh, was... I, yeah, I did not know anything about that. I just, I really just, did just think that it was just a me problem. And then I, you know, would get desperate. This was before I ever like told anyone. So I was still kind of dealing with this on my own. And so I would like Google, like what do I do if I struggle with this? And how do I like, what is this? And then I started learning about things like, yeah, like the diet culture and fad diets and mm-hmm. and just learning more about what disordered eating could look like for people and knowing and realizing that there were so many other, like it was a thing. It existed in the world. And I was like, wow, okay, that's good to know. At least maybe there's hope, maybe <clears throat> there are solutions, but I think that was really difficult because I mean, that just feeds into the cycle of like, I can just do whatever I want now. I can, um, yeah, eat all these things and indulge and then just deal with it later. Maybe then I'll just go on a diet and I'll just start working out. But I don't know. I think, I mean, obviously now looking back, it's more, so what they say a lot in like the diet culture is like, um, they're like, this is a, let's make a lifestyle change instead of like focusing on like a diet change, which the word diet is really just what you eat. It's not, um, but in our minds when we hear diet, we're like restricting and we're cutting calories and we're eating healthy, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, in order to lose weight. But a diet is really just what you eat. So like, I, I feel like now my mindset is like, obviously I know that like, that's not good and that's not normal to just, I don't know, eat whatever and do whatever and then I mean regardless of food like just to be able to do things in life and be like whatever I'll just spend twenty thousand dollars on my credit card and I'll pay with it later like that's Mm -hmm. gonna come back to bite you was there anyone you started to tell about this or was there any thoughts that you like had to take captive and start to change yeah so after my freshman year of college I went home to Texas for the summer and I was preparing to go back to my college to work as a student life advisor, which just meant I would mentor and live with some incoming freshman women during my sophomore year. And I called my high school best friend and I told her that I wanted to quit. And I was like, I'm not going back. I don't know how I can be any help to these girls and in, in leadership because I'm struggling so bad with this. And like, I just feel like a hypocrite. I... I've been struggling with this for so long and I don't know what to do about it. And I just feel so alone and I don't feel like people will believe me because I I didn't go to a therapist and they told me I have an eating disorder. Like, I don't know if it's, you know, I need help, but I don't know what, yeah, I don't feel even qualified to get help. And she was just so kind. And so 
calm. And I think she, her response was something like, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. I had no idea you were dealing with this. And that must be really, really difficult to walk alone. But she very, I mean, she very much just like, of course, assured me and saying that this doesn't disqualify you from, from helping other people or loving other people and, and being in leadership as well. But um, I think even just talking with her about it, I felt so heard and I felt really validated because she, yeah, she didn't know, but then she also wasn't going to give me like a medical, you know, diagnosis, but I think explaining things to her and telling her like, this is such a huge obstacle, it feels like, and it feels like I'll never get on the other side of it and I never have freedom over it. And I think, yeah, it was just really encouraging to be heard by her and of course reminded me that there's hope you can overcome this but at the time I didn't I did not think that was possible mm-hmm. um, so I think even then like when I went back to college um, and was doing that job I actually I actually found out one of my my students that I had she I had never told any of my students you know that that was going on in my life but one of them opened up to me about that struggle in her life I don't know. I was just so grateful because I'm like, wow, like something I struggle with and like something that feels like, oh, yeah, shameful to carry as a leader. Like this, this girl that is under me, like she's actually going through the same thing and I have so much compassion for her and I just felt so much less crazy or less, yeah, isolated, yeah. Even shameful in that leadership role because it was, it was, I mean, I wouldn't be able to kind of, yeah, hear where she was coming from and, and relate to her and empathize with her if I hadn't. And so, that was really, really redemptive for me, I think, to see that the Lord had chosen me to be a leader for her. And despite the struggle that I felt like was going to somehow keep me mm-hmm. from doing that. So, yeah. And you weren't disqualified because of that. Yeah, exactly. How did you start to change the way you dealt with emotions besides disordered eating, binge eating? So I would say that the number one thing I was able to do and wanted to do and felt obviously that it was important to was to identify like either situations, environments or emotions that were triggering and like what would happen, like what is going on that, like, what is the pattern? What is happening that leads me to this? And, um, and even in places where like, I felt like it, it was an uncontrollable thing why did I feel so out of control? What was so big that made me feel like I couldn't face it, that I had to turn to this mm-hmm. and that this was so much more, yeah, dominating. Um, and so I think once I started doing that, it was also so much easier to be like, oh, I- I'm just feeling really, really insecure right now. And I'm I'm feeling really like, yeah, maybe there's even like, I think there was other situations in life that would happen that had nothing to do with the way I looked or my body, but we're just like rejection or hurt or, um, yeah, feeling lonely or feeling whatever, just normal pains of life and that being um, just where I went. And so I think in those moments when I felt or even could notice like that I was going towards food or when I wasn't hungry or just kind of like eating but not really like paying attention to what I was doing kind of just like numbing out mentally I think I tried my best in those moments to kind of like tap back in and be like okay uh I'm not hungry let's put this away and like what am I doing like what's going on and kind of just 
stay in reality as much as possible and mm-hmm. not try to just numb out. But I think I've learned a lot about my Enneagram. I hate to bring it up, but but I'm apparently a type five, but something that I learned about them, I don't base everything in my life about this, but one thing I did learn that was really interesting was this specific type, which I think more people than just the type fives do this, but there was like a, uh, something that I learned about them having a disconnect between like their body and like how connecting with their body can help them stay grounded in reality. And mm-hmm. so for me, I was like, well, maybe I just need to like, you know, people say like when you're stressed or when you're dealing with the emotion, these emotions, like go on a walk or like go exercise, like it's so good for your mental health. But for me, exercising was actually really not safe for me because then it was just another area where I was like fixating on my body or fixating on how I have to do work really hard in order to like make it worth it and all these things. It was never really like about my mental health at that time. I didn't know how to do that. Now it's different. But at that time I was like, this is dangerous for me. This is a stumbling block for me just as much as, you know, other like those food and all those other problems. But so I think finding ways to like ground myself that allowed me to connect with my body that were not exercise and were not food. Mm-hmm. So just like doing anything like art or drawing um, or like just feeling the emotions and dealing with them, which was so hard because obviously I wanted to just run away from them. But I mean, I feel like most ways that we cope in life, we're just trying to run away from the emotions that we don't feel like we can face or that we'll be able to survive because they feel so, um, difficult and painful and and uncertain and unknown Mm -hmm. but even communicating to my friends I think was also helpful because I came to a point too where I like needed people to know like the way that they were talking about food affected me and they didn't know that because they didn't know I was struggling with things and so I would yeah I just pushed myself a lot to kind of be open with my friends and be like this is something I struggle with and I just need you to know that you know when these types of things are said, that's really um, not helpful to me. And it's, yeah, it makes me, yeah, all of these things. So just kind of explaining the way that, you know, and I think for them, they didn't even know like how they were talking about food or their body or what they shouldn't, shouldn't do and what's bad and what's good was harmful for me. And so I think that was really cool too, to, for them to be able to see that like, oh, wow, I didn't even know I was talking about it in this negative way. Um, yeah. And then them kind of, it gives them the opportunity, of course, to, to like ask me, okay, well, what is helpful? How can I be helpful to you? How can I support you in this? And is there anything specific that I can say or do that, um, makes you feel more comfortable or safe, even like around food or around these certain, um, situations or environments? Um, yeah. And they would never know how to love you well if you hadn't said anything exactly yeah and of course they always have so much compassion too you know because it's hard because food is such an ordinary thing it's just part of your everyday life and so yeah when it's that frequent and common yeah it can be exhausting but yeah they of course had so much compassion and were like oh my gosh like you you feel this way all the time like what the (laughs) (laughs) it's true and you are such a real such a good cook actually we've cooked together a few times and i'm honestly you just whip up things they taste great and (laughs) i think about that i don't like cooking personally 
you know, I do it when I have to, you know what I'm saying? But um, I'm thinking to myself three times a day, every day. Yeah. Food is an integral part of our lives. You just can't avoid it. Yeah. And I think that's really, really like redemptive part too, because my, like I said, my mom, like she's an amazing cook. She's a great baker. We used to bake all the time. Like me and my sister baked still, and we're just really naturally good at it. But yeah, I mean, even now, like, I think it's been a really great creative outlet for me and even coping of like, I love cooking. I love baking Mm -hmm. and I'm able to do that and have fun and without the fear or the shame and the things like that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, and just even realizing that life is so much more about what we eat or what we look like. Yeah. Once I realized like, you know, I can actually hang out with people and have fun and, and have true joy and laugh without having to be everything be centered around food or yeah, just those, those things. And, and I can actually feel really good when I do talk about my emotions with people and when I share and I can cry with my friends, I don't have to just hide it and go get ice cream with my friends and not be a burden to them but I can actually go out maybe for ice cream but I can also tell my friend what's going on in my life and I can cry about it and I have space to be able to do those things and I don't have to just go home at night and be by myself and be like oh my gosh this sucks I hate this <laughs> like yeah and then just yeah suffer in that um but yeah so that's been cool to see that yeah that God yeah, we're all really great cooks in the family, which is so fun. <laughs> it's hereditary. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and even when we get together for holidays, there's always some sort of feast or, you know, food to celebrate. But if you really look at the holiday, it never is just about the food. Mm-hmm. Depending on what type of food you have, that's not the most important part. It's always about the people that you're with. Yeah. Yeah, and this, the horrible thing about this stuff, too, like, just the, yeah, struggling with this kind of, this, you know, disorder eating and such is the shame of it and, like, the fear of it kept me so much from people because I would avoid certain things that I knew would be really hard for me and I couldn't feel at peace around. Like, I would just think about constantly, like, what if I eat this or, like, what if I, should I eat this? And, like, it just, like, I, it just distracted me so much from, like, the real joy of being with people and and showing up to also receive that way but it sounds like you were learning how to cope with your emotions in a beautiful and healthy way with community with God so if someone else is listening and they need to start recognizing what they're running from and covering up with a harmful coping mechanism how can they start to recognize what those things are if you look, you can find patterns in your life and you can find patterns of yeah, the way that you feel around. Um, yeah. When you feel certain emotions, maybe there's specific things, maybe that when you feel this type of way, that's when you start to go and kind of numb out and go get sweets or go get the food and just kind of mm-hmm. veg out and not want to be aware. But I think, I think being real about what you're really afraid of because I feel like for me, I was like, I think I believed that like I had to look a certain way in order for me to be okay and to like, to feel at peace with myself because I, I didn't know what I was worth beyond the way that I looked or the way that people thought about me or the way that I showed up for people, you know, on the outside. 
Yeah. And I think I struggled a lot with, I just didn't know if people saw past who I was on the outside because I was like, I have, I have, I have a lot of depth. I have a lot of substance, but people see me as this way as like the hype guy or the, the funny girl, the outgoing girl. And, and, you know, she's so cute and fun and like, I love her style. And I think for me, I was like, I am so much more on the inside, but that was kept in for a long time. It's a journey of healing too, of like just coming out and being honest about, yeah, just being authentic and who you are. It takes, it's a process, you know, you can't do that with everyone at all times, but like it was more than just, I'm scared to gain weight or I'm, I, that's bad and that's good. Or like, I want to look this way, but I think it was really like, am I actually, do I like actually who I am? And do I believe that I'm worthy enough just as everyone else to show up just as I am and enjoy life and not have to upkeep an image? Um, Because without that image, what am I, you know? Yeah. So if someone's listening and they're thinking, okay, I need to be open about this and I, I need to finally talk to someone about what I'm struggling with, how would you advise them to start telling people? Um, I would say just share with the close friend. Yeah, I mean, people you spend everyday life with are probably going to be the people who would be best because they're the ones who are aware, I guess, of what's going on and can help reshape, I guess, the way that you guys kind of interact with. I I think sharing with friends is helpful because if you're going to be, you know, doing life with them and, you know, sharing a lot of experiences with them, I feel like it's really helpful because even though there's certain, you know, if you're out at a party or if you're at dinner or whatever, sometimes they're not, there's not going to be that space to be like, I'm struggling right now. And like, you're eating dinner, you know, like you're, you're doing things, but at least someone else knows what's going on in your mind and someone else is mindful of it because I think that's a lot to hold in your own brain. So I think, yeah, even just like knowing like, all right, we're going to this event and like, this is going to kind of be a difficult thing for me mentally. And um, to kind of have compassion and to to be alongside of you as you may, yeah, just be going through a lot in your brain and trying mm-hmm. to, I don't know, I think, yeah, wait, yeah. I just say something that I don't know if it's helpful, but. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I, well, I was remembering that one of my really good friends, I love her, um, but I remember sharing with her and going forward after I had shared with her, like, it was really good response. But she like didn't know how to help me, and I obviously I obviously didn't know either like what I needed. But she would say things like, "Uh, buddy, do you, are you sure you want to eat that much?" Or like, "Are you sure that you want to eat that?" Like, "Are you gonna be okay after?" Like, "Wait, what about?" And that was so not good for me. Yeah, that does not and- sound good. <laughs> but hey, buddy, are you sure you want to eat that? <laughs> <laughs> I know that she didn't mean it like that. But it was just such a good, it was so sweet because I knew she was trying to help me. But then it opened up another conversation of like, I know you're trying to help, but like, I guess I didn't know what I needed. But now I know that that's not what I need. And that's not helpful. But instead, I don't know. I I think how you could help me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was just really funny because yeah, it's funny. (laughs) Hey, buddy, are you sure about that? (laughs) And I'm like, you know what, you better just stop that right now be quiet you <laughs> want to stop to that right now uh, okay oh, if someone's struggling 
and just feeling hopeless about whatever harmful coping mechanism they're using and like things may never change, what would you tell them? Obviously, you're not alone. There are so many women in the world who deal with this, even if it's just mental, even if the things that they there's not action that they take. There's so, so many people in the world, even men struggle with this, which is the way that they look and what yeah is culturally um, acceptable and appropriate and these things. But I don't know, there are a couple of verses that I remember stumbling across. So it's Proverbs 23, 20, which just says, be not among drunkards or among gluttons, eaters of meat. Okay, so this situation, I feel like is, this concept of like, of gluttony can be really like, I guess misunderstood or I, I don't know I, I feel like I felt like it wasn't talked about a lot well when I was struggling with this I felt like I was like what does this mean is this in the bible maybe it is and if it is why aren't people addressing this is this a sin is this bad is it you know I feel like the shame is probably the biggest part of the struggle and the hopelessness because it's like did I do something wrong and I should be you know I should be feeling guilty about it or is it something I really just need freedom from so the, there's a commentary that's from this. It says this verse means um, drunkenness and gluttony, but the meaning is much broader. The concept applies to those who are often drunk or who overeat, yet it also refers to those dominated by urges and appetites. Mm-hmm. And so I think I started to kind of lean more towards like, okay, this is an issue of like self-control then, like what is going on? But I I think also with this commentary that mentions like this is about urges and appetites, and then another verse that talks about God deliver us from self-indulgence, from overindulgence in the things of the world. I really started to kind of think about that of like, okay, urges and appetites and indulging, like, is this bad or is this good? And I think it gave me a good perspective of like, okay, God, if I'm going to these things that I'm, I'm dealing with these emotions or I don't want to deal with these emotions and um, I'm just choosing something to indulge in so that I don't have to deal with the emotions and so that I feel better, then is that any different than like sin? And is that any different from any sinful, I guess, way of even sin against myself instead of the shamer on myself of like, you're being bad, you're not doing good <laughs> and, and going over to the other side of like, I'm not treating myself good. I'm treating myself bad and having compassion for myself was really pivotal for me because then I was able to be like you know what God I do want to love my body I do want to love myself and I do want to eat healthy and I do want to be strong and I do want to exercise and I do want to do those things but not because of the of not because of the outward benefit not because of what people will think of me or how they will accept me but because that's honoring to you and I I actually do want to enjoy my yeah, myself and my life. I don't want these things to steal my joy and to steal um, my time with people or, or make me hide away in a corner. Once I was able to look at it that way, it removed the pressure of myself to kind of like just be good and shape up and like stop doing these bad things, but to start to turn to the Lord and be like, I'm struggling and this is really hard and I don't want to, you know, just realizing that I don't have to do that. I don't have to deal with my emotions that way and that it's not something that I am chained to. Um, and I didn't chain myself there because I think it does have to do too with your relationship with yourself and your view of yourself of like, I'm not worthy anyway. So I might as well just punish myself and just deal with the consequences. Right. But that's not the Lord's heart for us or other people. And 
but yeah, we get to indulge in the Lord and delight in him. Yeah. He's the one who reshapes the things that we, that we crave and the things that we desire and long for. And I ultimately just, yeah, would be like, God, I want to be hungry for you. I want to be thirsty for you. And that's just so difficult sometimes to, mm-hmm. to even like, yeah. I mean, there's so many things in this life that capture our attention and that are indulgent and there's like chemical things going on in our brain too. And we eat sugar. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. We're like, wow, what a rush. <laughs> it's actually addicting. Yeah. Sugar is actually addicting. And so I think, yeah, I just realized that like, okay, I'm indulging in these things. I'm not even like indulging in it because it makes me happy. I'm indulging in it because it's some kind of false sense of security or right comfort. <laughs> but really, yeah, I always felt worse after. And so it's like, this doesn't make any sense. This is a lie. This is all a lie. It's all a lie. <laughs> I've been lied to. <laughs> yeah. And I think even in that too, like realizing, yeah, it was deceptive. Like I just at somewhere along my, throughout my life, along the story, I decided in my mind that food was out to get me, that food was evil and it was bad. And I don't know, I had to come to the other side of like deciding that food was necessary. Food was nourishing for me and I had to have food to survive and food was there to help me. And so was my body. Like, it's not this disgusting thing. I have to walk around and hide for like within, (laughs) like God created my body. And so I don't know that just carried me through a lot of just remembering like, Christina, you're safe. Like you can eat food. You need to nourish your body. I also went through a lot of like issues too with like my gut and I had a parasite and all these things. Oh my gosh. That sent me down a whole other um, rabbit hole of, of, (laughs) of this kind of stuff. But um, ultimately, yeah, I had to kind of just remind myself and just to decide that like food is necessary and I will die without it. So what are we going to do about that? And what are we going to do about that? (laughs) Yes. Are there any resources you'd recommend on this topic? There's a lot of great, like, podcasts out there right now that are really debunking a lot of, like, diet culture things. Even, like, in the diet culture, there was, um, like, on the other side of things, I guess the better option was, like, intuitive eating. Um, But there's a lot more, I guess, study that that's also been unhelpful. But there's so many podcasts out there, and I think even just hearing a lot of times people sharing their stories is really helpful because even though people have different stories, there's a lot that people have in common. And I found so much comfort in hearing other people share their stories um, because a lot of times people's stories are, you know, it's years and years. It's 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 just was really comforting to me to to hear other people's stories of what they went through and then how they kind of work through it and, and the, the hurdles, I guess, that they overcame and, and to realize too, that it's not something you'll ever just be perfect at, but that um, you can make progress in it and, and have a healthy mindset. What I would avoid though, is like, I don't know, I'd be cautious and I guess reading just anything about <laughs> like diets or like getting your life back on track or like, right. There's a lot, like of, um, lot of fads. Oh my gosh. Just no, not right now. (laughs) No. Yeah. I, if you think you're at a great place to like consider that, maybe do it with like a friend, but anything like that, that I tried to do on my own was just even worse for me and kind of 
sent me down another rabbit hole of like trying to yeah just like the obsession of it and like yeah anyway so I would maybe be cautious but I have a lot of Instagram accounts that I follow that really talk really positively and really um not even positive but they're just really transparent which I really appreciate so I can send you those and link those but I think seeing that kind of yeah seeing that kind of stuff on especially social media I followed I unfollowed so many accounts of people who uh like not that they were like working out but anyone that was kind of like yeah had that kind of unhelpful language (laughs) or anyone that I felt I was comparing myself to that was just not helpful for me I I had to like unfollow because it just you know yeah (laughs) I mean it is important like who we surround ourselves with and of course, you know, real life people, but then there's another aspect that's like, if you're going to have social media, it's also really important who you follow on there too. Yeah. Christina, thank you so much for sharing your story. (laughs) I'm glad I get to celebrate this with you, you know? Yeah. I get to celebrate this victory that I actually knew you for some of the time that you were being set free from this. And that's just, that's just nuts. (laughs) Yeah, it's really crazy. I, like I told you when I approached you about this, I didn't even realize that it was something I was walking out in freedom because until I heard that question, what have you been set free from on your episodes? I'm like, yeah, what have I been set free from? And even going overseas, I mean, that, you know, different cultures giving food in different ways too. And coming back and realizing, like, wait a second, I have changed a lot, and I don't know when this happened. And this was, yeah, most of my, this took up most of my mental space for most of my life. And Mm -hmm. now it's something that's not there. And that's just really crazy to think about. And so I'm glad that you asked that question, because it made me think about it. And yeah, I, I don't, I remember telling my friend, the one that I had called, I remember telling her, like, or just feeling like I will, I don't think there will ever be a day where I'll be on the other side of it and being able to speak about this or, or even overcome this ever. I guess this is a little teaser, but I actually made some stickers <laughs> that say, um, what have you been set free from on there? <gasps> so yes, it's true. They're on the way right now. That's so amazing. hopefully people will be able to put them on their laptops or water bottles and then be able to start conversations with other people. So a little spoiler. Yeah. That's amazing. It's a great question. I love it. We also have to remember what have we been set free from? We have to better remember. Oh, yeah. God is really faithful. Who knew? (laughs) Thank you so much for being the guest today. It was an honor. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Head to Heart Podcast. It's a joy to record them and a joy to have you listen. Since you're a dedicated listener and made it to the very end of the episode, I have two gifts for you. One is that I have a free resource linked in the show notes for you. It's a resource created to help you take the truth you've learned either in this episode or in a previous one and apply it to your life. The second gift I have for you is access to my seasonal playlists. Every season, summer, fall, winter, spring, I create a regular playlist and a worship playlist that will be ongoing throughout the season. And you'll be able to follow it on Spotify if you need some good boogie tunes. Because let's be honest, in another life, I would have been a DJ. So you now have full access to meet all your seasonal music needs in the show notes. 
As always, I love hearing from you. So follow me on Instagram and send me a DM of how this episode impacted you. The handle is head to heart underscore podcast. And if you would be so kind, leave a five-star rating and review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or the website. By doing this, you'll help me get more amazing guests on the show in the future. I'll be releasing new episodes to you every other Friday, so stay tuned and thanks for joining us.